what's really cool to me is the process of storm chasing takes a lot of my diagnostic acumen as a physician because it turns out storms have an anatomy and a physiology. And the forecasting to me is this very elegant art of combining medicine and meteorology to try and figure out where the best storms will occur and to be there. And the reason I'm so drawn to it is it's a very spiritual experience for me. We live in an amazing country, and the countryside is spectacular when framed with severe weather. Obviously, I don't like the byproducts, the damage that happens from any of the severe weather, but there's something very zen about sitting in a cornfield, thunderstorm around, and being at one with these storms that are taller than Mount Everest and they just form from water vapor. What a spectacular experience to be part of that. In May 2011, Dr. Persoff's two passions converged when an EF5 tornado devastated the town of Joplin, Missouri. From a diagnostic standpoint, there was the potential for a really big tornado, but as the day evolved, the storms that were forming near Joplin were really humdrum, which um, was good news for a while, but then suddenly out of nowhere, this beast of a storm formed just west of Joplin and morphed into uh, the deadliest tornado in U.S. history in the past 50 years in a very, very quick fashion. The tornado touched down and within a few minutes of touching down, it had killed 100 people and then went on to injure over 1,500. It was a very, very rare tornado that formed that particular day. In fact, I don't think any of us have ever seen a storm quite morph into this powerful a storm from such a disorganized system in our careers. The tornado was even worse because it also grew wider faster than it was moving. It started from maybe 10 yards wide and then went to three quarters of a mile wide in less than 45 seconds. It was an extraordinary beast. As a consequence, when I was chasing it and I recognized how significant it was, I was chasing with other chasers who are like-minded and we decided to give the storm that formed the tornado an extraordinarily wide berth. And I'm very grateful we did. As we were hanging back and the storm became more and more intense, the winds were amazing coming out of the storm and blowing into the storm. On radar, there's a signature that we can sometimes see with powerful tornadoes called a debris ball. Since the Earth is spherical, uh, radars can only see line of sight, which means the radar beam can only go straight out from where the radar is. It can't curve around the Earth further away you are from the radar station, the higher up in the clouds you're seeing. What we were seeing was debris that at that point was being picked up by radar, which was measuring things about a thousand feet or more above the ground. For a tornado to do that, it has to be extremely powerful. And the debris ball was centered right over Joplin. So we knew that this was awful. Another clue to the storm's severity, 
Persoff's car was heading east into the storm, about a half a mile from Joplin. He noticed that there was no traffic heading west, getting out of town. We set up a triage station on the highway when we first came across several semis that I had thought were in the tornado's path. The semis had actually been tossed quite a bit from just straight line winds, but we had assumed that it was the tornado's path. The wind at that point was around 80 miles per hour around the back of the storm. There was lightning everywhere, types of lightning which are unique to tornadoes. They were just these little strips and bits of lightning connecting to the ground and torrential rainfall, not unlike a hurricane, but with much more lightning. And there was a horrible sound of the tornado itself, which we never heard a destructive tornado before this. It sounded like metal grinding on glass. And it took a good five to seven minutes before we saw the only emergency vehicle we would see, which was a police officer. I identified myself as a physician and stated that we were starting a triage place, but if they wanted me somewhere else, I'd be happy to go. And he indicated that he hoped I didn't work for one of the two hospitals in town because it had been destroyed. And I remember thinking a hospital destroyed is, um, that's unimaginable to me. Here we are in the midst of all of this chaos and things, and we're sitting here just trying to explain how to get to the other hospital, and we're taking notes. And it occurred to me that we had to drive forward through this huge amount of debris to turn around so that we could get back on the highway to get back to the other hospital, which was Freeman Health System. And St. John's Hospital in Joplin had been destroyed. As we crested the hill into the Freeman Health System, uh, you could see from this ridge, most of the town was laid out in front of us, destroyed. And so there was this very eerie moment where it was extraordinarily quiet. Freeman Health System had suffered a power outage, so all of the fire alarm strobe lights were flashing, and you could see them flashing throughout the hospital, and it looked like a moment from The Walking Dead. But when we got into the hospital, the hospital was on the ball, man. These guys were just all over that. And they were ready and they were willing and they, they were doing a great job. So it was easy to settle back down once I had such great leadership there to look to. So I assisted in the trauma bays initially and saw injuries that I'd read about in textbooks. I used to be an EMT, so this looked like a lot of what I'd read about, flail chest and other incredible injuries. I had the opportunity to be with patients at the end of their lives and also to help try to save some lives. It was clearly out of my element. A nursing supervisor told Dr. Persoff there were other patients they needed him to care for. He took me through this waiting room where hundreds of people had shown up and they were bloody, lots of injuries, but mild injuries. And I thought, dear God, please don't let this be where you're taking me. Because I couldn't do that. I couldn't take care of that many patients. 
Instead, he took me over to where their discharge lounge had been, and there was a whole bunch of patients that were showing up there who had been basically taken out of St. John's Hospital, which had been destroyed, and placed in this discharge unit. And these were medical patients, with a huge exception. They were medical patients who, some of them had witnessed the roof flying off their hospital just minutes before. All of their records were gone, no reference point, which frustrated some of the patients that it was an electronic medical record, can't you look it up? No, I think your electronic medical records are somewhere closer to Tennessee now. It's actually the best night of medicine I ever had in my entire life because there was really no paperwork. I got to just talk to patients and try and be a doctor. In my career, there's never been an opportunity quite like that. There was no billing or coding to worry about. Uh, practice wasn't an issue. There was just people working with people. And it was the greatest moment in my career. My stethoscope, my interview skills, my physical exam, and doing the best I could with the resources on hand. And bear in mind, I had some amazing nurses who were working with me in that discharge lounge. And I cannot even begin to tell you how rapidly we got the medicines patients needed. The radiographic studies, EKGs, lab. It was an amazing operation, and so to that extent, it felt very normal. The other extent, it, it was out of control. I was, had 40 or 50 patients that I was trying to take care of. It was a great experience. One of the things that struck me amazingly deeply was this town was destroyed and the employees there for many, many hours while cell service was out had no idea how their own family members had fared or whether their house was still standing. And yet they worked so hard to help their citizens. It was a very humbling moment because that level of dedication and putting someone else's needs truly ahead of their own was breathtaking. I didn't have a horse in this race other than wanting to help another human being. This was their community and it was destroyed. And when you see people working in those conditions and delivering the type of care that they delivered without panicking, with strong determination and compassion, it was truly inspiring to me about how we as human beings can really be there for each other at the worst of times and offered me a really good feeling about humanity as a whole. Many of the things I've learned about mass casualty incidents prior to this were based on simulations of an influenza outbreak or were based on models or conjectures. And I will tell you that there is an incredible emergency management system in place wherever you live that is highly coordinated and with experts who know what they're doing. Where it breaks down, however, is at the level of the working person. I wasn't aware of what their emergency plan was nor how to be part of it. And most of the people I was working with didn't know either. And so for that, it inspired me to change how I'm approaching my own career. I'm figuring out how we can get that last piece, the bottom part of the pyramid, engaged in emergency preparation so that we in the future can be able to deliver care even better than what was done that evening. That piece was edited by Sound Medicine's amazing engineer, Chris Lieber.